42 to 47 about the five practices of the early church that they excelled in that was a part of their everyday life that we need to make sure that every church in America is practicing these things as well. So we worry about our own selves, but it's something that was wasn't just for then. It's something for us today. Now, these five practices. Uh, the first one was paying attention to the preaching of the word. Uh, the, the, they de the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And for them, that it was on a regular basis. It wasn't just once a week. This was something that the Bible tells us on verse 46, that they met daily for that, that time in their life, for that amount of growth to take place. It was something that they had to, they were constantly going day after day to hear from what the scripture says. But it wasn't just that they were going and filling their heads with something. It was something that they were taking and they were living it in their lives throughout their community. But practice number one was paying attention to the preaching of the word. Practice number two was participation in the church body. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. We saw last week that when what that means is that they lived life together. Their lives were intertwined. They gave something of themselves in order to be benefit somebody else. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 45 we see that they sold their property and their possessions and they gave to everyone as he had need. It cost them something in order to have this fellowship, but they were devoted to doing that. Number three, they were devoted to praying together. Uh, we looked at how they prayed together as a church, as a church body, but also as they prayed together in their homes. They were praising God together with other people. What were they praying? Some Old Testament prayers, but also everyday prayers like you and I would be praying. Practice number four was partaking of bread together. This was the best one of the four that we've looked at so far because it involves eating. We all like to eat. We all like people. And it was just putting the two together. And the church was constantly doing that, choosing to eat together. But also it included the breaking of bread as looking in communion, the Lord's Supper. And the church did this on a regular basis as a way to remind them of, look, what God did for me and what do I need to share with other people and it was a constant reminder this world is not my home I, I need Jesus I need him in my life and they were constantly going to him uh, for help in everyday life today we're going to be uh, let me read the same passage again and we're going to look at the fifth practice it's not so clearly stated but it's there um, it's obviously the like it says in the, the bulletin it's the practice of passing it along to non-believers so let me read this. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, that there is so much in scripture. Uh, I mean, to, to look at the same passage for five weeks is, uh, it feels pretty incredible that there's just, there's so much that you can teach us through even just one verse at a time. I just pray that, God, you would teach us through the verses we're going to look at today. 
that you show us each where we succeed at this, where we fail at this, how to do better at passing along what we know about you to the, to the unbelievers. I just pray, God, that your words would come out of my mouth and it would, it would be sweet music to your ears and it would be a blessing to each of us, even to me, God, that I would be encouraged and challenged to share my faith more as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, practice number five was that they were passing it along to other believers. Before we get there, um, have you guys ever heard this quote before? Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you guys ever heard that before? Because it's a pretty famous quote. There's a lot of people who are given credit for actually saying it, so I don't know who the first person was who actually really said it. Uh, but it sounds well and good. It sounds really easy. All I got to do is just live the good life and, and share the gospel that way. And it sounds, uh, it, it takes all the pressure there is off about actually opening my mouth and sharing Jesus. But the problem is, we, never, we may never get to that point where we are willing to open up our mouths and say the words about Jesus that somebody needs to hear. We can, we can do good things, we can, we can support people, we can help people, but anybody can do that. There's lots of people around this world who give far more money than I will ever give, who are far more helpful than we could ever be, and all they are is nice people. They're very good people. I, I've, I've read about like Bill Gates giving billions of dollars away. Does that mean Bill Gates is going to heaven? No. He may be going to heaven, I don't know. But because he did all kinds of good things, does not mean he's going to go to heaven. So it's not based off of the things that we do. So there's a point here where you do have to open your mouth. A better way to put it in, is found in your bulletin. Preach the gospel, and since it's necessary, use words. And I didn't come up with that quote. I didn't tweak it. It was just something that I found. And that makes much better sense. It says in verse 47 that people daily, it says, uh, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Daily people were becoming part of the church. People were putting their faith in Jesus. So obviously somebody had to open their mouths and say something about Jesus. That's where we get this practice number five. The practice of passing it along to unbelievers. <clears throat> and they, that's what they were doing. Uh, they, were they were passing it along to other unbelievers. There's two parts to doing that for them, by the way. The first part is the easier part, I think. And that's the part of actually just living out. What do I know? And I'm just going to demonstrate that to the, to the world. Um, and that's what they would do. They didn't get up on a stove box and start preaching at people. They said, oh, we're just going to live this out. When they had fellowship, when there was, people were in need, they were trying to demonstrate that to other people. But part B was they had to open their mouths, have a conversation with somebody, and tell them the truth about Jesus. And they did it in a, a, a real and casual way. Hey, I'm in a conversation with Sharon, and I'm just going to work this into the conversation so she knows about Jesus. I'm not, there, there's so many wrong ways to do this. We're going to look at a few. Um, but it was just normal, everyday life. I'm telling you about my, my kids. I'm going to tell you about my Jesus. Those are the kinds of things that they did. Well, what did they pass along? What kinds of things would they pass along? Well, there's, there's a number of things they could pass along before getting to this point. 
Um, one thing they could pass along is what they were learning. They're going to the temple courts day after day, and they're hearing a message from the apostles. And they could pass along that to people. I'm sure conversations came up. Where are you going? Why do you guys go day after day to the temple courts? What's drawing you there? What are you hearing about at that, that temple courts that's so amazing that you got to go day after day? And, and I think that would open up doors for people, just the fact that they were going, and then they could say, hey, this is what I'm hearing through the, what the apostles are teaching me. They could tell what they were, what they were, how the fellowship was going, what kind of relationship they had with other people. Verse 44 to 45, we, talked, we read about how when people had a need, people sold property, and they met that need. That's a pretty exciting truth that they would want to share with the people around them. That kind of thing is not going to keep quiet. It's going to be easy to pass that on to other people. To say, well, I, I, I needed a calf because my calf died and somebody gave me a calf. I'm excited. I want to tell people about this. I had a debt that I couldn't pay and somebody from the church donated to help my debt. Or you, you remember that field I was trying to work on? Uh, somebody, the church came over and they helped me get my field cleared. And so they could pass those kinds of things along. It's going to create a curiosity in the lives of people. Uh, another thing they could have passed along was answers to prayer. Even just the fact that people were praying for them. Uh, and then when you get, you, you, you get this idea that God really does care, you know, because a lot of people look at a church and they say, well, that's a great big list of to-dos and not to-dos. I don't want to go be a part of that because it just, there's no fun in that building. There, there can possibly nothing good that comes from that. But you find out that there's a family of people believing and praying for each other. That, and when those prayers get answered, then people are going to have something to tell about, to, to share. This is what God did on my behalf. Something else they could share is that this, this idea of eating together. This is the fellowship that we've had with other people. It's not that bad. We, we, see, we, we see each other at church, but outside of church, we get together and we share a meal together. Because we know that a meal is a great way to connect. It's a great way to get to know each other. It's a great way to build relationships. And they can tell people, I'm getting to know the people in this building because we live life more together than just inside the church, just inside the temple courts. But ultimately, what were they going to tell people about? Because they can tell all those kinds of things, but that's not going to save anybody. It might get somebody into the church. It might get them excited or interested in coming, but ultimately that does not save anybody. So ultimately, they had to land on the gospel. They had to land at the point where they're willing to tell somebody about Jesus. And when they did that... They didn't stand on the street corner shouting, this is the message to people, which some people have a lot of guts. They'll go to, they'll go to, they'll stand on street corners and they'll do that, or they'll go to campuses and they'll just bust out the message and just go with it. That's not me. I will probably never do that sort of thing. Some people leave tracks on doorknobs. I've done that uh, in a restroom or, or with a tip or things like that, but they probably didn't do that either. Um, 
I've told you about my personal evangelism class, where what you do is you run up to, the, to somebody you think isn't going to bite you, and you, you go and you just give them the gospel, and then you run, right? Because it's that scary of a thing. I don't think they did that. They didn't just run up to some unsuspecting person, dump the gospel on them, and then bolt for the door. It was something that they had a relationship with people, and they developed that over time to, they, to where they got the point where they could get out of their comfort zone and say, here, look, here is the gospel, here is the good news of salvation. I mean, these people work together, they shop together at the markets, they raise their children together. Um, all of that life intertwining allowed them the opportunity to eventually get over their fears and to share the gospel. They passed it along. And that's ultimately how we have the gospel today. Because people kept telling people, kept telling people. God made sure we had the word for today, but he kept the message going. Until ultimately us who are sitting in church today have the gospel message for ourselves. And we need to continue that trend. We need to continue to pass along this message to other people. Well, what are we going to tell people? Well, we can tell them some of the same things that the early church told them. They, we, we looked at they could tell people what they were learning about in church. You guys could do the same thing. What do, what, do you, what do you go to church for? Why do you go every Sunday? Why are you giving up other things, the beautiful weather, the, to, in order to put yourself in that building every single Sunday or most every Sunday? What are you learning about in Bible study? Right? Because that's a pretty hot topic right now. End times kinds of things. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, the world out there knows the world's going crazy. I mean, if you look at, uh, I like to, on YouTube, I like to see like uh, nature kinds of things. And you find out that day after day, there's, there's uh, volcanoes and there's tornadoes and there's snowstorms and there's locusts. And there's just like birthing pains. I mean, you can read about them. There's just birthing pains over and over. And the world's saying, what is going on? And you can say, you know what, I have an idea. Matthew 24, I know kind of what's going on. This is what the Revelation talks about. And you can have those answers for those people. And say, you know what, I know there's chaos, but I know in the end, Jesus wins. It's going to be okay. Here's why you need to know Jesus. So you can tell people what it is that you're learning about. You can tell people, what, is you, what are you getting out of church? What is the relationship like with other people? You know, you got a project done because somebody came alongside and helped you. You were struggling with something and someone at church gave you that listening ear that you needed. Uh, someone helped meet a need that you had. A church that's fellowshipping together, it's going to be easy to remember those things because they're always happening. And as you enjoy these things, it becomes easier and easier to share with other people. We can tell people the answers to the prayers that we've received. Even just the fact that people are praying for us is an encouragement. You know, unbelievers like to know that people are praying for them too. Even if they're not sure if it works, even if they're not sure there's a God, you tell them they're praying for them. And a lot of them feel really good just knowing that somebody cares enough about them to, to, to pray for them. And if you can go back and say, we prayed for this, and God provided this, and I'm so grateful. Or you can even say, we prayed for this, and God didn't do this, but I'm going to trust God anyway. That's going to speak volumes into the lives of people who need Jesus. If you're still going to trust God in spite of what happens. 
Oh, we can tell people we're eating together. We're, we're hanging out together. We're building relationships with each other. You know, we don't just see each other on Sunday. We care about each other enough that during the week we get together for meals. We get together to visit. That is something that the world outside needs. And we can tell people about all the perks, all the blessings of our church. But that's not sharing the gospel. Just like the, the apostles had to get over their fears, they had to get over all the, the uncomfortableness of, of getting out of their comfort zones of how are people going to treat me and respond to me to share the gospel message. We need to do that as well. We need to get to the point where we're willing to say, here is what Jesus did for me. Throughout the book of Acts, you find that this was something that continued, that the apostles um, start week series uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, about the five practices of the early church that they excelled in, that was a part of their everyday life, that we need to make sure that every church in America is practicing these things as well. So we worry about our own selves, but it's something that was, wasn't just for then, it's something for us today now. These five practices, uh, the first one was paying attention to the preaching of the word. Uh, the, the, they, the people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And for them, that it was on a regular basis. It wasn't just once a week. This was something that the Bible tells us on verse 46, that they met daily. For that, that time in their life, for that amount of growth to take place, it was something that they had to, they were constantly going day after day to hear from what the scripture says. But it wasn't just that they were going and filling their heads with something. It was something that they were taking and they were living it in their lives throughout their community. But practice number one was paying attention to the preaching of the word. Practice number two was participation in the church body. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. We saw last week that when what that means is that they lived life together. Their lives were intertwined. They gave something of themselves in order to be benefit somebody else. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 verse 45 we see that they sold their property and their possessions and they gave to everyone as he had need. It cost them something in order to have this fellowship, but they were devoted to doing that. Number three, they were devoted to praying together. Uh, we looked at how they prayed together as a church, as a church body, but also as they prayed together in their homes. They were praising God together with other people. What were they praying? Some Old Testament prayers, but also everyday prayers like you and I would be praying. Practice number four was partaking of bread together. This was the best one of the four that we've looked at so far because it involves eating. We all like to eat. We all like people. And it was just putting the two together. And the church was constantly doing that, choosing to eat together. But also it included the breaking of bread as looking in communion, the Lord's Supper. And the church did this on a regular basis as a way to remind them of, look, what God did for me and what do I need to share with other people and it was a constant reminder this world is not my home I, I need Jesus I need him in my life and they were constantly going to him uh, for help in everyday life today we're going to be uh, let me read the same passage again and we're going to look at the fifth practice it's not so clearly stated but it's there um, it's obviously the like it says in the, the bulletin it's the practice of passing it along to non-believers 
So let me read this. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, that there is so much in Scripture. Uh, I mean, to, to look at the same passage for five weeks, is uh, it feels pretty incredible that there's, just, there's so much that you can teach us through, even just one verse at a time. I just pray that, God, you would teach us through the verses we're going to look at today, that you show us each where we succeed at this, where we fail at this, how to do better at passing along what we know about you to the, to the unbelievers. I just pray, God, that your words would come out of my mouth and it would, it would be sweet music to your ears and it would be a blessing to each of us, even to me, God, that I would be encouraged and challenged to share my faith more as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, practice number five was that they were passing it along to other believers. Before we get there, um, have you guys ever heard this quote before? Preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Have you guys ever heard that before? Because it's a pretty famous quote. There's a lot of people who are given credit for actually saying it, so I don't know who the first person was who actually really said it. Uh, but it sounds well and good. It sounds really easy. All I got to do is just live the good life and, and share the gospel that way. And it sounds, uh, it, it takes all the pressure there is off about actually opening my mouth and sharing Jesus. But the problem is, we, never, we may never get to that point where we are willing to open up our mouths and say the words about Jesus that somebody needs to hear. We can, we can do good things, we can, we can support people, we can help people, but anybody can do that. There's lots of people around this world who give far more money than I will ever give, who are far more helpful than we could ever be, and all they are is nice people. They're very good people. I, I've, I've read about like Bill Gates giving billions of dollars away. Does that mean Bill Gates is going to heaven? No. He may be going to heaven, I don't know. But because he did all kinds of good things, does not mean he's going to go to heaven. So it's not based off of the things that we do. So there's a point here where you do have to open your mouth. A better way to put it in, is found in your bulletin. Preach the gospel, and since it's necessary, use words. And I didn't come up with that quote. I didn't tweak it. It was just something that I found. And that makes much better sense. It says in verse 47 that people daily, it says, uh, and the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Daily people were becoming part of the church. People were putting their faith in Jesus. So obviously somebody had to open their mouths and say something about Jesus. That's where we get this practice number five. The practice of passing it along to unbelievers. 
And they, that's what they were doing. Uh, they, were practiced, they were passing it along to other unbelievers. There's two parts to doing that for them, by the way. The first part is the easier part, I think. And that's the part of actually just living out. What do I know? And I'm just going to demonstrate that to the, to the world. Um, and that's what they would do. They didn't get up on a soapbox and start preaching at people. They said, oh, we're just going to live this out. When they had fellowship, when there was, people were in need, they were trying to demonstrate that to other people. But part B was they had to open their mouths, have a conversation with somebody, and tell them the truth about Jesus. And they did it in a, a, a real and casual way. Hey, I'm in a conversation with Sharon, and I'm just going to work this into the conversation so she knows about Jesus. I'm not, there, there's so many wrong ways to do this. We're going to look at a few. Um, but it was just normal, everyday life. I'm telling you about my, my kids. I'm going to tell you about my Jesus. Those are the kinds of things that they did. Well, what did they pass along? What kinds of things would they pass along? Well, there's, there's a number of things they could pass along before getting to this point. Um, one thing they could pass along is what they were learning. They're going to the temple courts day after day, and they're hearing a message from the apostles. And they could pass along that to people. I'm sure conversations came up. Where are you going? Why do you guys go day after day to the temple courts? What's drawing you there? What are you hearing about at that, that temple courts that's so amazing that you got to go day after day? And, and I think that would open up doors for people, just the fact that they were going. And then they could say, hey, this is what I'm hearing through the, what the apostles are teaching me. They could tell what they were, what they were, how the fellowship was going, what kind of relationship they had with other people. Verse 44 to 45, we, talked, we read about how when people had a need, people sold property, and they met that need. That's a pretty exciting truth that they would want to share with the people around them. That kind of thing is not going to keep quiet. It's going to be easy to pass that on to other people. To say, well, I, I, I needed a calf because my calf died and somebody gave me a calf. I'm excited. I want to tell people about this. I had a debt that I couldn't pay and somebody from the church donated to help my debt. Or you, you remember that field I was trying to work on? Uh, somebody, the church came over and they helped me get my field cleared. And so they could pass those kinds of things along. It's going to create a curiosity in the lives of people. Uh, another thing they could have passed along was answers to prayer. Even just the fact that people were praying for them. Uh, and then when you get, you, you, you get this idea that God really does care, you know, because a lot of people look at a church and they say, well, that's a great big list of to-dos and not to-dos. I don't want to go be a part of that because it just there's no fun in that building. There, there can possibly nothing good that comes from that. But you find out that there's a family of people believing to, and praying for each other. That And when those prayers get answered then people are going to have something to tell about, to, to share, this is what God did on my behalf. Something else they could share is that this, this idea of eating together. This is the fellowship that we've had with other people. It's not that bad. We, we, see, we, we see each other at church, but outside of church we get together and we share a meal together. Because we know that a meal is a great way to connect. It's a great way to get to know each other. It's a great way to build relationships. And they could tell people, I'm getting to know the people in this building because we live life more together than just inside the church, just inside the temple courts. But ultimately, what were they going to tell people about? 
Because they can tell all those kinds of things, but that's not going to save anybody. It might get somebody into the church. It might get them excited or interested in coming, but ultimately that does not save anybody. So ultimately, they had to land on the gospel. They had to land at the point where they're willing to tell somebody about Jesus. And when they did that, they didn't stand on the street corners shouting, this is the message to people, which some people have a lot of guts. They'll go to, they'll go to, they'll stand on street corners and they'll do that, or they'll go to campuses and they'll just bust out the message and just go with it. That's not me. I will probably never do that sort of thing. Some people leave tracks on doorknobs. I've done that uh, in a restroom or, or with a tip or things like that, but they probably didn't do that either. Um, I've told you about my personal evangelism class, where what you do is you run up to, the, to somebody you think isn't going to bite you, and you, you go and you just give them the gospel, and then you run, right? Because it's that scary of a thing. I don't think they did that. They didn't just run up to some unsuspecting person, dump the gospel on them, and then bolt for the door. It was something that they had a relationship with people, and they developed that over time to, they, to where they got the point where they could get out of their comfort zone and say, here, look, here is the gospel, here is the good news of salvation. I mean, these people work together, they shop together at the markets, they raise their children together. Um, all of that life intertwining allowed them the opportunity to eventually get over their fears and to share the gospel. They passed it along. And that's ultimately how we have the gospel today. Because people kept telling people, kept telling people. God made sure we had the word for today, but he kept the message going. Until ultimately us who are sitting in church today have the gospel message for ourselves. And we need to continue that trend. We need to continue to pass along this message to other people. Well, what are we going to tell people? Well, we can tell them some of the same things that the early church told them. They, we, we looked at they could tell people what they were learning about in church. You guys could do the same thing. What do, what, do you, what do you go to church for? Why do you go every Sunday? Why are you giving up other things, the beautiful weather, the, to, in order to put yourself in that building every single Sunday or most every Sunday? What are you learning about in Bible study? Right? Because that's a pretty hot topic right now. End times kinds of things. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. The world out there knows the world's going crazy. I mean, if you look at... Uh, I like to, On YouTube, I like to see like uh, nature kinds of things. And you find out that day after day, there's, there's uh, volcanoes and there's tornadoes and there's snowstorms. And there's locusts. And there's just like birthing pains. I mean, you can read about them. There's just birthing pains over and over. And the world's saying, what is going on? And you can say, you know what, I have an idea. Matthew 24, I know kind of what's going on. This is what the Revelation talks about. And you can have those answers for those people. And say, you know what, I know there's chaos, but I know in the end, Jesus wins. It's going to be okay. Here's why you need to know Jesus. So you can tell people what it is, is that you're learning about. You can tell people, what, is you, what are you getting out of church? What is the relationship like with other people? You know, you got a project done because somebody came alongside and helped you. You, you were struggling with something and someone at church gave you that listening ear that you needed. Uh, someone helped meet a need that you had. A church that's fellowshipping together, it's going to be easy to remember those things because they're always happening. And as you enjoy these things, it becomes easier and easier to share with other people. 
We can tell people the answers to the prayers that we've received. Even just the fact that people are praying for us is an encouragement. You know, unbelievers like to know that people are praying for them too. Even if they're not sure if it works, even if they're not sure there's a God, you tell them they're praying for them, and a lot of them feel really good just knowing that somebody cares enough about them to, to, to pray for them. And if you can go back and say, we prayed for this, and God provided this, and I'm so grateful. Or you can even say, we prayed for this, and God didn't do this, but I'm going to trust God anyway. That's going to speak volumes into the lives of people who need Jesus. If you're still going to trust God in spite of what happens. And we can tell people, we're eating together, we're, we're hanging out together, we're building relationships with each other. You know, we don't just see each other on Sunday, we care about each other enough that during the week we get together for meals, we get together to visit. That is something that the world outside needs. And we can tell people about all the perks, all the blessings of our church. But that's not sharing the gospel. Just like the, the apostles had to get over their fears, they had to get over all the, the uncomfortableness of, of getting out of their comfort zones, of how are people going to treat me and respond to me to share the gospel message, we need to do that as well. We need to get to the point where we're willing to say, here is what Jesus did for me. Throughout the book of Acts, you find that this was something that continued, that the apostles um, started. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. There are lots of people out there who need Jesus, but there's not a, people, not a lot of people who are going to get out there and share the message with them. And he says, ask the Lord to send out the workers into the harvest field. So there's not enough people doing it. The last two is it gets easier with practice. I can't tell you how many times I've stumbled and bumbled and tried to share the gospel and felt like it was the worst thing I've ever said to where it's like now it can just roll off my tongue. I can say I can go through Romans Road. I can quickly and easily comfortably say this is what the gospel is because I've had to practice ever since I was about, you know, 14 or 13 in Awana trying to help. Uh, through our, our, our program to help the youth get trained into working in Iwana and working at camp and things like that, we were constantly doing that just through the, the years. Towards like it's it's real easy. It doesn't make people believe it anymore or less, but it's so much easier for me. I feel a lot more comfortable because I have practiced doing it. And the ninth thing to remember is to pray. Pray because like we've already said a few times, you don't save anybody. You don't really have much to do with it except for to, to say the words about Jesus. The Father draws them. The Holy Spirit convicts them. That's not you, right? That's, and Jesus does the saving part. That's, that's God, right? All our job is, is to open up our mouths and to say it. So we can pray and ask God to give us the opportunity to share it. Because, you know, opportunities aren't always obvious, um, we can pray and ask God to help those people to have an open mind so they're willing to accept that message. And we can pray that God would help them to ultimately have salvation. And we can also pray, God, send somebody else. <laughs> the workers are plentiful. I mean, I mean uh, the harvest is plentiful. Ask the Lord to send out harvesters. Please, God, send somebody to go and reach those people. 
So the early church, these, we saw the five practices of the early church that they excelled at. They paid attention to the preaching of the word. We are here listening to what God's Word says. You guys are getting in Bible study. You're reading in your Bible, uh, in Sunday school. You're paying attention to it and putting it into practice. Uh, they, they participated in the church body. They linked lives together. They were supporting. They were helping encouraging each other uh, through everyday life. They were praying together. They prayed together as a church. They prayed in their homes. They saw God do great and many miraculous signs through answers to prayer. And they ate together. There was, there was a lot of unity and bonding of eating together, but also of remembering the Lord's Supper together. But ultimately, the, the, the thing that they did was they were passing it along to non-believers. They, they didn't say, this is just our church thing. This is something that the world needs to know. And they took the message when they went. They brought people in when they could. But they, they did these things and they did them well. And I just want to encourage you to, to somehow keep these in your mind, these five practices. And let's continue to look at these things. Let's continue to practice these things in the coming weeks, the coming months. And see what God can do in our lives. Because even if our church doesn't explode, we don't have people like busting at the seams. These are still five things that God wants us to do uh, as an act of obedience. And he's, he's going to be blessed by it if we just do our part. So uh, let's just be encouraged and challenged to continue in these five practices that the church excelled in. And let's excel in them ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for this day. I thank you, God, for the early church that practiced these things. I know that they had to get out of their comfort zones. They had to sacrifice. They had to be willing to do and say difficult things at times. And, but they did it well. And God, I just pray that the churches of America, the churches around the world, that we would just naturally do these things. And we could see your church grow. We could see lives being affected and changed. And we could just follow the steps, um, this, these acts of obedience that you've called us to do. God, again, I just, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your church. And let us be the church that you want us to be and to reach the people you want us to reach in Plevna. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.